Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Black in the Saddle podcast. I don't know if you recognize this face that is either beside me, across me, either way, on the screen with me. But if you do not know, I am joined here today by Jamon Turner of Just Believe Youth. Welcome to the show, Jamon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Now, I when I was preparing this season, I said, I want to really connect with people who are doing things in the community and um, have conversations about the the how, you know, the last few years we've been talking about the what, oh, I want to have more diversity. I want to do more, have a more inclusive environment. I want more people to be in the industry. Okay, but how? And you have done a lot of the how. So that is what I want to talk about today. So tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me something that you are most passionate about. Mm, About myself. Um, uh, I'm 35. Um, I live in Louisiana now. I've lived all over the United States and I've just built... um, couple of different businesses, all equine or cattle based, um, based on passion. It's something that I saw that I really wanted to do. Um, I'm not big on doing a bunch of stuff I don't want to do. So I kind of found some loopholes and just worked at it. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay. What was, the, what was the second part of that question? What are you most passionate about? Oh, oh man, that's hard. Um, it's a tie either between youth services and just equine disciplines for sure. Um, I love starting horses. Um, you know, I finished a bunch of them, but I, my, my passion is for sure starting two-year-olds, putting good foundations on them. Uh, and I think that, you know, relates directly to working with youth. You know, you set a good foundation in kids, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to draw that connection. And so what, got you into youth services in the first place? So I rode bulls professionally for a long time. Uh, got on tour with the PBR, went to the pro rodeos and stuff. Um, towards the, you know, the butt end of my career, um, I just, you know, it really weighed on me. I was in airports every other day traveling and the relationships were there, but they weren't, they were kind of superficial. You know, I felt like I was a superhero because I was talking to people in the airport, signing autographs and stuff like that. But there was no substance because as soon as I left that city or that town or whatever it may be, you know, the relationship was left to either being on Facebook or Instagram or I'll catch you next time I'm in town. Um, and I just think over a long period of time, 15 years rodeo on that, just that started to weigh on me. Um, I definitely think that once I kind of walked away from that and decided that you know, being so young when I walked away from it, that, that I, there was a, there was a big gap between the people who were pouring into me and the people I wanted to pour into. So I kind of found myself as the side of like, I dug it out, <laughs> you know. I love what you said about there being a big gap between the people that are pouring into you and the people that you wanted to pour into. And I literally titled this episode bridging the gap between education and experience because (laughs) you literally do that with just believe. So tell us a little bit about that program and how it started versus what it is now. 
Um, so uh, Just Believe, it's a community diversion program. Well, let's put it like this. It started as a community diversion program from the places I was going. Um, it has definitely trans, uh, transformed into a nationwide diversion program. Um, I've been able to do clinics and camps, you know, from one side of the country to another. Um, and honestly, that originated you know, when I was a little kid. I've had this vision and I couldn't really put my finger on it. But, you know, every couple of years I would have this dream and it would be the exact same dream. And as I've got older, you know, once every two or three years, this dream comes in the middle of the day. I'll be doing something. And I'll just have like a quick 10 second flash. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And it's literally been like the little light beam at the end of the tunnel saying like you're still on the right path. Um, I just I remember being young when I wanted to start rodeoing. I didn't grow up in this, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood that um, it was plagued with different things other than what I have now. Mm -hmm. So I remember having to like have poop scooping businesses, cleaning gutters and doing all these kinds of things to make entry fee money so I can get to the bull riding. And it's like now that I get older, I realize there's so many men and women that allowed me to come work for them or sponsored me so that I can go do that. But if I wait until I'm 45 years old, 55 years old to do that, I'm going to be missing a huge demographic of kids. So when I started seeing this, I seen some of these kids around the neighborhoods and stuff that I that I'd serve and just tell them, like, hey, man, you want to do some work? You want to make some money? It's legitimate. It's a, it's a good hustle. You're not going to get in trouble with it. And as they started doing it, they were, you know, kind of wondering, like, well, why are we doing all this with horses? But we can't ride. Well, you ain't earned that privilege yet. You haven't asked me to ride. Like, I need to hear you say you want to do this. I'm not just handing out horse rides. And it just transformed into some of these kids, like just they're down. They, they enjoy doing this. And I've watched that that culture here grow. Um, I've watched that that grow within the, the realm of just believe. And it's allowed me to like, you know, see these kids need something other than just riding horses. I feel like there's a million programs and not to take anything away from them, but there's a million riding programs where people are just so focused on. We want to get these little black kids riding horses, stuff like that. But the thing is, when you can't just serve black kids because that's not the only demographic there has to be something that integrates all these communities to where it's, it's unified for one for two riding horses is is not a means of being successful it's a means of therapy and enjoyment but if you can take the same you know aspect and learn how to make money with it be legitimate learn how to employ your community off this oh yeah that's a wrap so um we started doing that and i just i looked into what that meant and that meant you know, seeing my people have access to agricultural trades. If you were just riding horses every day, you're missing out on money between training, care for cattle work, um, the background stuff, the um, industrial trades within all that surround agriculture, you know? And I think that once I started tapping into all the different things that I did growing up to try to make, make it happen for six or eight months or a year, like, man, you got a lot of tools under your belt. Like just Kick it to little homies like this, just a little bit. And the next thing you know, I've got people who, you know, hey, I want to teach this. I want to teach this. So we came up with a curriculum. We use the horses to learn to speak to the behaviors of children. I don't do that by horse riding lessons. I do that by starting colts. Um, I teach these horses and I, I teach these kids how to teach the horses. And it sticks to a specific curriculum on, hey, this horse responds because of this. You respond because of this. It's funny how those are the same. And then they start catching it. And then I started saying like, hey, you know, now that we have this down, let's figure out if you just wanted to train horses on the side. What else could you do that would enable you to do this on a daily basis where you're not just slaving for somebody in an office or whatever it may be? If your passion is with horses and agriculture, what can you do to indulge yourself in this lifestyle to where when you come home and you're you're messing with your horse after work, it's not a chore. It's a privilege because you've been doing all the rest of the hard work all day. That's
surrounds that, you know? Um, and it just, it makes a difference because it, it breeds a culture, not just an, an avenue to get away. This is literally your lifestyle now. That was a lot. <laughs> You know, and I've I had to really just hold myself back from yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Because um I think that's what like you said, no shade, no harm, no foul, but um for for those of us who want to be in this industry long term, you know, it's not just writing that fulfills us. It is, I want this to, I want to make an impact in this industry. I don't want to just ride horses. Like, that's great. But how can we be in this industry, have careers in this industry? Like, I tell people all the time, you can take something and say that you do it for a particular type of people and you're in that industry. I just saw something come across Facebook on how um, a lot of John Deere tractors, their operating systems are old in, in the grand scheme of the digital world. And they're easily hackable. When John Deere says you have to bring in your tractor in order for it to be serviced, you have computer engineers who have been able to hack in and solve these problems for farmers without them having to go directly to the source where, I mean, however far that may be. And so that changes the game. You have computer programmers, computer engineers impacting farmers directly, putting the, the ownership and the power of their own machinery back in their hands. That is a whole untapped market. And people just People, I feel like they think that that farming and agriculture is just a completely separate world that's not dependent on anything else that's going on. And it's like, yo, yeah. you have no idea the possibility that is out there. So I absolutely commend you for um, not only understanding that there is this overlap and it's getting kids into the industry itself not just on a horse that will make a world of difference and that'll open up a whole new world for them. And on top of that, like taking the things that they're already interested in, man, I can't tell you how many kids are on these games, but just yes. like, if you realize how much technology is in, infused in the agricultural world these days, you know, even from programming your computers that are cutting and fabricating metal, you, you know, like you can take same, things that you're passionate about already and figure out how to make a niche in the agriculture, the equine, the cattle world, you know? Right, right, right. And horses, um, you know, they're, they are a vehicle for a lot of things. The, the learning, the connection point, you know, a lot of times that's the thing that initially piques the kid's interest, right? Like you said, they're like, well, when we go ride, okay. Baby steps, friend, <laughs> you have to learn things and that it gives them a tangible, whereas so many like traditional educational settings, they don't see that tangible, what's getting me to the other side. It's just homework, project, experiment. Maybe. Making the connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think that is why, um, 
or that's an opportunity a lot of programs miss that this the horses can be a vehicle to creating an impact in this industry that we I don't believe that we have actually seen the results of just yet actually intentionally getting kids into these trades I feel like before it was a matter of you have to your family does this this is a survival thing and then kids have a lot more of a choice now I saw a little boy on your your page saying I think I think it was your page he was like if I wanted to if I had to choose between college or or doing a trade I would do a trade and I'm like kids have not had a choice before (laughs) before now vocational colleges you need a college education you need this but i'm like bro for what what are you getting a college education for you walk out of there owing money you could literally step into this trade and like be employing 10 15 people underneath you all because you've learned the trade learn this trade create an llc and work at it and that's that's the gist of what these these camps and these clinics that i host are i want to teach you something applicable like that i don't want you to be in debt trying to learn this kind of stuff if you go in debt behind your equipment that's on you but that is easily obtainable to make that money back if you're if you're working your craft but the biggest thing is you need to know that the power is literally in your hands mm-hmm. that's freedom the epitome of freedom being able to be in control of your own time there's no other like loving lifestyle that i can imagine other than being able to put a people on to say hey you are in control of your whole time yeah yeah Time freedom is something to aspire to, for sure, for sure. What is one of the most important resources that got you to where you are today? I know you talked about the people that have already poured into you, but is there anything else that has gotten you where you are today? Um, Honestly, I mean, it, that's a weird question on a couple levels, just because, you know, you have a a, um, a a actual resource that pours in, but then you have a, you know, a mental aspect to that. I would definitely say mentorship has been one of the biggest things, you know, um, stepping away from riding bulls, the scary things. This is what I've known all my life, you know, um, to a place where I've had mentors, older men who encouraged me, you know, like, Hey, Jamon, you know, uh, I had a guy tell me one time, and this is really what shifted. I mean, completely shifted everything for me. He told me, you know, God honors those that honor him with their talents. And he hung up in the front on my face and I couldn't <laughs> figure it out. That couple ago. And he was like, yeah, I got a job offer for you. Uh, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. One fifteen grand the next day. Oh, yeah. No, I ain't taking this job. Calls me back a couple months and told me the same thing. He said, Jamon, I want you to know God honors those that honor him with their talents. And as I started plugging away at this and, and communicating with him more on this, you know, he was expressing like, hey, your personality, how you are with kids that goes way further than, than, you know, what you'll, you'll take away from riding bulls. And I think at that point, when I started realizing the power that I already had, you know, um, that I didn't need anybody's approval, I didn't need to go win an event to feel good, you know, that I could literally pour into the people that was a game changer for me to make me want to like dive in this. And I think outside of that, um, man, truthfully struggled. Like I didn't, I didn't come from this. I've had to thug it out for a long time. I've had to do a bunch of different stuff. There's not very many things that I'm not good at, you know, from welding to plumbing, anything, you know? Um, and I think those little struggles along the way have, um, grown a, like, um, what's the word? Perseverance. There you go. Um, it's grown perseverance to where take it or leave it either you're going to sink or swim and i think having having 
that behind me all my life has been like a big spur to say like, okay, this is what's in front of you. What are you going to make with it? I'm not a lazy person at all, but I'm telling you, if there's one thing I dread, it's working for somebody I do not want to work for. I, I despise it. Um, so that coupled with good mentorship and struggling for a long time has like just put me to a place from like, hey, you got to do this for you and for other people. That, yeah, that was the biggest for sure. Yeah. I'm happy to meet a lot. I've got a lot of good people. I can never take none of that away. Yeah. But you're, as much as people want to pour into you, they're only pouring into what they can see you have inside of you, you know, and what you're willing to put out. I think that was what what tipped the scale. I had their help, good mentorship, but I just I don't like struggling. I don't like stuff being hard. Yes, big facts, big facts. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, despite you feeling like that was a weird question, that was a very good answer, and it doesn't have to be a you know like a tangible resource. That is a um mentorship, which is gonna be the topic of our next episode i'm gonna need you to just stop getting ahead of us okay <laughs> <laughs> but but that's been a a game changer for for me as well so um i respect that i respect that and the struggle i'm not even gonna say that i struggled a lot but i had a father who struggled so he was like you gonna learn how to do this i don't care girl boy chicken you're gonna learn how to do this because you're not gonna struggle like I did and so <laughs> so I, I know how to do lots of things too my name is Jamon Turner and this is just believe we're a youth program we host these really wild camps where kids get to kick loose meet new friends you know city kids country kids merging learning about each other see we're kind of like the superhero of camps we learn about agricultural trades, horses, cattle, all sorts of that fun stuff, you know. We don't just do Western stuff. We go hiking, camping, fishing, kayaking, pretty much anything outdoors. See, we're the middleman for the kids who can't, who don't have access to these opportunities. We find them, we plug them in, we take them. It's been great so far, but this year we have an opportunity to take it to another level. Professional instruction, higher quality trades, team challenges, awards, and with a little help from the right people, the possibilities are endless. You talked about how your your personal experiences have impacted your community work. Tell us a little bit about um, some of the things that have been going on a little bit later in your career. Cough, cough, the ultimate cowboy showdown. And how... <clears throat> how or if it has had any impact on what you've got going on with Just Believe? Ooh, there's been a lot. Um, I've got to do a lot of stunt work on movies. Um, I train horses. Like I said, um, I start two-year-olds as my big profession. Um, I have a counseling agency that I've been putting together. That The whole reason for the counseling agency only came about is because where I live at, man, there's not a lot of people who can afford to do this kind of stuff with horses. They can't afford the therapy, like it costs a lot. So um, I've focused more so with that on the mentorship aspect. And that gives a reason for, you know, my nonprofit to be able to cover some of this. But the thing is like, when you go through another third party, you're kind of at their disposal. So I'm just like, I'm not doing that. So I started my own counseling agency so that I can figure out a way to get these kids doing this through my nonprofit and we can write it all off. It works out for everybody. 
um, that's been a huge thing for me. Um, just kind of finding loopholes on ways to get the community connected and to where they can afford it. You know, the nonprofit sponsors a lot of things that can fund for these kids to come get these services, after school programs, tutoring, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and just having the nonprofit is really what was my big go. Um, the Ultimate Cowboy, that was a great experience. Um, I definitely am very proud of how that turned out because, um, you know, it's my people. <laughs> you know, we, we, I think that I definitely represented myself well on there. I think I definitely represented our culture well. Um, there was no ifs, ands, and buts that I had a lot of integrity on that show. I never had a bad talk to anybody. I did lose my cool one time, but the man had it coming. Um, I didn't put my hands on him, so we're good. <laughs> um, but uh, that, that was a good opportunity to, one, showcase not just talents, but, um, you know, we get showcased in the rodeo world or, you know, equestrian world, the show world. But just every day being a cowboy, making a living, feeding America, nobody sees that. There's people that look like us in there. So I think that that was a big thing for me. Um, if there was more I was I was happy with the results but I think I was more happy with the outpour of support that I've had the messages that came in from kids dads moms like hey my kid looks up to you because at the end of the day this is what I'm here for like I I could have won $50,000 worth of cattle but I mean I've made way more than $50,000 since then just because of the you know the sponsorships and corporate tie-ons and stuff like that mm -hmm. um it was a unique experience on a personal level Mainly because I've been just, like I said, I keep using this phrase, thugging it out, but that is what it has been. So learning this and being able to put myself in competition with, you know, 14 other cowboys across the nation um, and, and do as well as I did, that was kind of, for me, like, yeah, you're in there. Don't worry about it. Just keep learning and keep going. Um, it was a humbling moment in some other aspects because I seen areas where I would still like to continue my education and my growth. Um, not so that I can be like the ultimate cowboy, but more so, so that when I pass on this information to the next people, everything I'm telling them and I can articulate the right information to everybody. Yeah. 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 That is, that is dope. Um, something you said, or just kind of the, the overall picture of your journey to where you are today, you have really had to put yourself out there. Um, more than a lot of people tend to, you know, there's, I'm sure you deal with, um, thugging it out, but also the, the, I want to say insecurity of like, what if, what if it doesn't go the way I want it? What if, um, I, it doesn't kind of look like that, that light at the end of the tunnel, that, that dream that you have, how do you manage that? How do you manage doing it anyway? Um, that I don't, I don't know. Ooh, let me think about how to answer that. I feel like more so that is, that's, that, that came with just my upbringing, you know, um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to, Oh, how can I work this? Cause I want to be the most appropriate. Um, so there was a lot of gangbangers around when I um, that I when I grew up. My my parents did a great job of raising me in a great place. Um, but me being a boy and having the friends I did, I was surrounded by it. I seen it. But I think that hanging out with them because that was my people group and being different, I had a target on me regardless. You know, so 
learning how to manage that at a young age, now it's like it comes second nature. It comes second and different. Second nature just saying, you know what, what if they laugh? Who cares? Like we can even check pocketbooks or we can check talents. We can check, you know, ability um, and intellectual ability, whatever it may be. But I feel like I, in, in all those areas where there's been a place where I was um, inadequate at some point to somebody else, I've worked at it because I don't like that feeling. Um, I rode bulls for a long time because I was scared. So <laughs> being scared of something is just, it's, it's a driving force for me. It kind of nags at me. And I think that insecurities and all that fall into the same realm. If you're, you're insecure, it's because there's something that you're fearful of other people's thoughts, emotions, feelings. Uh, maybe there's something inside of you that you're not willing to face, but all that together is, is it just comes down to it. like you don't have a choice. You, you either can sit back and I don't know how to explain that to people. You either can sit back and deal with it or you can stand up and deal with it. But only one of those are going to get you moving forward. You're not going to go nowhere sitting down. You're, you know, if you stand up and deal with it, at least your head's on a swivel, you know, and you can you can move, bop your feet around, do what you got to to adjust. But if you're sitting there stagnant, you're always going to be in a place of I haven't even got up yet. You know, um, it just never made sense to me. It never made sense to me. I watch guys you know, hustle and do all sorts of stuff. But, you know, fast money always came and went. And I just, none of that made sense to me. And it, it was more scary to be in a place to be surrounded and be doing the same stuff that they were doing in the same trouble than it did to just say, hey, put on some boots, walk through the hood and who cares what they say, you know? And then when it got to a point to where I really figured like, hey, I was doing good at this. Oh, you couldn't tell me nothing. By my junior, I'm flying at a, you know, junior and senior year, I'm flying at a, uh, at a school on out of, out of the airport on a Thursday and Friday going to events, you know, and all these kids are still sitting in class and I'm coming back with checks, you know, <laughs> like, what am I going to be insecure for? Like these people are literally upset because I'm doing something that they're, they're not brave enough to do, you know, that they, they wouldn't dare try. But my only other result, if I didn't, was I'll sit in the classroom and have to go to class with them on Fridays, be talking about the same stuff, twiddling my same thumbs, wearing the same things. That just didn't interest me. It never did. Like, no, nah. I can't say it's always worked out because, I mean, <laughs> there's still places I go that it's just this. The Western lifestyle is not for everybody. Um, it was it's really hard in the dating pool. It is really, really hard in the dating pool. Um, the lifestyle that I live but in the same sense the I dating pool has pee in it okay ain't nobody trying to be <laughs> it's it's hard though it is it has been very hard um but, but it's just one of the, like, i know i'm secure in what i do so at the end of the day as long as i'm adamant about that like god's gonna put the woman i need in front of me for sure absolutely thank you jesus um <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the day what what does Jamon's life in 10, 15, 20 years look like? What is that like? Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, nah, honestly, um, I'm putting some stuff in the works now because I want to have a facility that, um, you know, it, it, it breeds a different culture. And I, I, my plan is right now, I, I'm looking at some different places that I'm working partnerships with to have a couple of these across the United States. Um, as I've been working these camps, I've been growing a lot of good relationships and I've got some people who are really tied on and say, hey, this could be beneficial in the long run. Um, if I could put this on paper, which I have done, trust me, and that's my biggest advice to somebody, put it on paper. Um, yes. It looks like being intentional about each one of your moves. Don't be afraid to make a mistake, but be intentional. And in 15 years of being intentional or 10 years of being intentional, I see myself being able to kick back and 
um, pour into the younger kids to let them do the job that I'm doing now. I got kids that are, you know, coming up under me now that in five or six years, they should be able to take hold of some of these programs and run certain aspects of this. And, you know, as a body, all of us working together, I should be able to step away from this and be able to coach from a distance. The coaching and the instruction that I do now shouldn't look the same. It shouldn't be me still on the ground level trying to hold people's hands to get them there. I should have a very structured infrastructure that says, hey, this is how we run our clinics. You are 17 years old, you fall into this pool. You've been, you're 25 now, you've been working with me for 10 years, you know what to expect. To where each one of these kids, like they have their own place of employment. They have their own role within Just Believe. Um, I definitely see this as something that it's not just a series of camps. Um, I, I'd ideally like to have a, a home where kids can come for six to eight weeks, whether that be in the summertime, whether that can be for diversion, juvenile service assistance, where they can come and they can learn four or five different trades. School runs on a nine, on a 18 weeks, um, um, 18 week halves. So every nine weeks, you know, let's get you a different certification to where let's say kids that are in juvenile services, instead of them being locked up and spending 40 some thousand dollars to keep them locked up, let's spend $40,000 to walk away with three different, you know, certifications. I don't care if you don't want to go back to school. I get that. That's cool. But you can't walk around and not do nothing. So at least if I can create a facility that nurtures that, I can turn out 150, 200 kids a year in agricultural trades, you know, that are all funded by my program, um, government entities, whatever it may be. But um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what's going to happen in 15 years. Market. <laughs> I'm excited. You know what? And I'm going to say, I call him in the beginning. Yeah. on the podcast in the beginning <laughs> no just kidding <laughs> i don't ever, i don't care to be famous for this i would really like to be um like a silent face in the back i've, I've had to work transforming the image of just believe from my personal brand to its own thing and i'm trying to step mm -hmm. believe but you know the works in the background for it uh so that that part is super important to me that just believe is self-sufficient on its own mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, give me some insight into how you learned to create structures like this. Like yeah. you said failing. I'm writing stuff down. Like if you fail, you got it on paper, you know what you did. You know, mm -hmm. and I think in that I don't see how people miss it so much. Maybe they're just not taught it, but like at some point of screwing up so many times, you're going to want to figure out like, what did I do wrong? You know, so I think failing has been what, what's built that structure. I see what works. I see what doesn't work. You know, I've had kids that I started with who, you know, I've had to walk away from. Like, let me tell you. So there was I was when I when I first moved here to Shreveport, I was doing a bunch of different stuff. I walked away from a lot of that and I started substitute teaching. Never in my life do I want to be a substitute teacher, a regular teacher. I do not want to be in a classroom. I don't. I hate it. But I did this so that I could build relationships with throughout the community. And some of that goes back to what you said about, you know, taking those insecurities, throwing them out the window for what you want. My own failures and then seeing some of the kids that I've, I've dealt with coming in out of my classroom, be misplaced from different homes to juvenile services, get back out of juvenile services. I'm going to pick them up next. You know, I'm seeing them in class on Monday, all that together. I'm like, OK, so this works. This this part works. But this part here doesn't work because I can see where kids like you are going to fail. You don't have the structure at home to say, hey, well, I can give you all that. You can't take it all at one time. I think um, outside of failure, I think learning uh, compassion and um, studying my people, studying the people that I'm serving. Mm. I don't know 
who you are. You can put together all the writing programs you want to, all the services throughout communities. But if you're if you're doing it on a broad spectrum and you're not studying the communities that you're serving, you're lacking. You know, I've I've been places where these kids got everything they want to, but it's just a whole bunch of gangbanging. But half the kids they don't even know how to do their own hair. They their parents don't have access to you know health services that serve lower income families. Learning and studying your community and what kinds of things to offer in each place, each place has been about right there with failing, you know, um, it makes it personal, you know, I'm not just gonna come pull up and like, hey guys, this is what we do, we're just riding horses, you know, and I'm gonna give you these trades, because you know what, if there's nobody in that area to teach those trades or that's not huge, I'm just giving them an experience, that doesn't make no sense, I need to give them something that's lasting that they can work with, so yeah, I would definitely say failure and studying your environment. Yes. I love that. I love that. So tell me, what does black in the saddle mean to you? Hmm. Um, when I hear that, I think of like, you know, pioneers traveling out west starting something brand new um which granted we're not starting brand new because there's been black men and women that have cowboyed and you know dealt with horses horsemen since before i could ever even imagine um but in that there's always a level of being a pioneer because things change you know accessibility changes availability changes being able to create and um, establish new ways of keeping a group of people that were brought here to cultivate this land but literally know nothing about agriculture anymore involved in this it's it's tricky so when i think about being black in the saddle i think about being a leader and a a pioneer for um alternative ways of life let's put it like that like to, to me honestly being black in the saddle has nothing to do with just riding horses like you said this is an avenue if i can get a little black kid in a saddle i can open his mind up to everything else that comes across there whether that be from the person cleaning saddles making saddles cleaning horseshoes making horseshoes you know building barns whatever it may be it's the thing is like i gotta get them the, i gotta use being a black kid that doesn't have that opportunity as an, a way to get them there i have to make that be the accessible part um yeah. Yeah. Um, it means diversity. It means being different. Um, oh man, there's, there's just so much that surrounds black people in this culture that some are good things, some are bad stereotypes. You know, um, I think that, yeah, that's a really, really hard question. I wish I had thought about that a little more. Um, well, your answer out. was amazing. You keep saying these questions are hard and then delivering impeccable answers. So, um, you know, I'm all right with it. <laughs> I'll, um, leave it at hmm? I'll leave it at that. That's what that means to me. And I think that's enough. I think that's enough, truly. Um, that is exactly the the essence of this redirection, you know, like you were talking about earlier, being intentional about the um, the conversations that we have and the work that we put in and the things that we build is just so much more important going forward, especially when you have goals of making a difference in a particular community. So I think that was beautiful, beautiful. Um, let the people know 
where they can learn more about Just Believe, connect with you, learn more about your programs, all of that stuff. All right. So y'all need a pen and paper because I'm easily accessible in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, first is, can you still see me? Yes. Um, first is uh, Just Believe Training on Facebook. Um, that page is fine. Second would be Just Believe Youth on Instagram. Would, yeah, just believe you on Instagram. I have a website, justbelievetraining.com, and an email, justbelievetraining at gmail.com. They all start with just believe. They're super easy to figure out. Um, I have a personal page. Um, I'm going to leave it to y'all to try to find that, though. Uh, I respond off the just believe pages for sure. Uh, send me a DM, PM, whatever you want to call it. Um, I have a lot of camps coming up, so I really want to spread the word. And this is the hard part about this is because as a people, we're used to doing what's comfortable and what's easily accessible, but I run camps all across the United States, and I will tell you and every other parent across this country, you want your kid to learn something and be diverse, let them see different parts. Travel breaks a world of prejudice. It just tears it apart. I got kids that fly in from California to some of these different camps. You know, uh, we got some sponsors that come together, and I'm definitely looking for more sponsors to help get some of these kids there. But getting these kids on planes with chaperones to say like, hey, you can show up to the next camp in Tulsa on September 16th we're learning a couple of different trades and a different couple of different clinics, getting kids to where they're able to get there. Um, that, yeah, yeah. I think that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Show up to one of my camps, spend some time. Let me pour into you, pour into your kids. And you guys can see like, Hey, this is what this program is really about. You know, you can look on the, my webpage and see my website and see some of the testimonials of different kids, all different shapes, sizes, colors, creeds, all that. They're learning the same thing. It's tangible knowledge that they're, they're keeping with them. Um, so, yeah, so aside from social media, pull up. <laughs> yes, pull up. I'm going to have to check your schedule because um, uh, Black in the Saddle podcast as a community, we are starting to do meetups. Uh, we have our first one in Virginia. We're going to go. So I... At first, it was like, oh, yeah, let's meet up at, like, a rodeo. Let's meet up here. Let's meet up there. And it's like, yeah, that's great. You know, those are those are great environments. But I'm a little bit of a nerd. Like, I want to learn something new. You yeah. know, I want to go experience a thing. So we're going to go and watch the Chincoteague ponies pinning in Virginia. Yeah and watch them round them up, vaccinate them, check for new babies, ID new babies, stuff like that. Like, I want new experiences. So we're putting together got, a club. Hmm? Sorry to catch you off, but I got a challenge for you then. You want new experiences. I think that you should get you some of your um, entourage, whatever you want to call them. Um, I know you, I'm, I'm positive you've got to know some kids in your community who could benefit from these. You want an experience, come to some of these camps, come to the Western Playground. They're huge events. They're three events. Sometimes they're campouts. These kids, adults, everybody can have a chance to learn three or four different trades, three or four different clinics. They're super handy. We have horse training competitions that go with that. Huge obstacle courses that go over 30-something acres for each one. You know, it's cool to go watch stuff and, and learn, but it's cool to learn hands-on. So that is my challenge. Bring it, Find a couple kids, and I will even make you one better. If you can bring three kids, I will personally sponsor all of their tuition. The only thing that you have to figure out is how to get them there. 
Um, I suggest that you challenge a couple other people in your network to do the same thing. Reach out to me. And I got about six spaces that I'm willing to pay for myself for these kids to come. I have some sponsors that are donating. So like right now, the tuition going for a three-day camp is usually four or $500, right? It's 90 bucks to, for three days. All the food you can eat, all the clinics you can take, all the trades you can take. There's your experience. Okay. We'll make it okay. happen. Say less. Say more. Tulsa's our but also say less. Um, so Tulsa's our next one. Uh, mm -hmm. September 16th, 17th. Um, I'm currently working with the Black Coalition or Black Cowboy Coalition. Um, we have a couple camps coming. Well, we're planning one in Charlotte. Um, I have one coming. Hello. In Hello. I'll be there. Hello. I'll be What's there up? in Charlotte. Okay. So, that ain't but a two hour drive. I'll be there. Charlotte and Memphis, um, and then we have one going that we're planning right now for um, Oakland, California in February. So all over. We've been from Denver to Houston to um, where else did we go this summer? Austin, um, Shreveport, uh, working on Fort Smith, Arkansas. Yeah, so we are all over. Okay, sounds perfect, perfect. I will meet you uh, in Charlotte at minimum but I'm okay with going other places too. So thank you for that challenge. Uh, to all of our listeners, you heard that, all right? Uh, when I started talking about it in the Black and the Saddle community, um, don't act like this is your first time hearing about it, okay? Um, thank you, Jamon, so much for coming on the podcast today. I am so proud of the work that you are doing and I am, I'm here to support all the things.